one day I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your Breaking Five moment, whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their Breaking Five moment, those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. Super excited. I am here with my good friend, Hannah, today, Hannah Moldenhauer. And Hannah is a runner. She works full-time as a public information officer but also does some run coaching with Without Limits in Charleston and is also a boot camp instructor. So she has her hands full, um, but I'm super excited for you guys to get to hear her running journey. You know, she's had quite the running journey along with some injury setbacks as well. And I just, I am really inspired by Hannah as a runner herself. And I just, I want you guys to hear her story. And Hannah, I'm excited to get to chat with you. Great. I'm excited too, Kristen. It's been a while. Yeah. So Hannah and I, we lived in the same area. We both lived in Biloxi, Mississippi back in 2013. Yes. Ran together there. So we knew each other then, but a lot has changed for Hannah and her running journey since. Um, So, but we've obviously always kept in touch and um, been fun to follow. But before we get into your, like your current story, would you mind sharing, like, when did you get into running and how did you get into running? When did that start for you? Yeah, so running has always been a part of my life, just with growing up and playing a lot of sports, but I was never really a dedicated runner. So I played soccer, I played basketball, I ran like on a cross country team for a couple of practices and realized I didn't really enjoy running in high school. Um, (laughs) Isn't it funny how we look back on our times and a lot of people used to hate running. but anyways, certainly love it now. And uh, in college, I played some soccer. And really, college was when I started to develop a love for it. I remember I signed up for my first half marathon after going through a, a horrible breakup in college. And um, I signed up for a half marathon, and I did it. And I thought I was one and done. Um, mm-hmm. And just over the course of, you know, I think I was 20 at the time. And so in my early 20s, and when I met you, I was kind of stuck in that half marathon distance. I called myself, as I look back, more of a hobby runner. So I enjoyed running, but it would go out for about a three mile run, um, maybe every other day, maybe every, you know, three times a week. Um, and I was, I was happy there. I enjoyed it. I'd go out. I mean, I, I wasn't a bad runner, but I, I guess I didn't really understand it. Um, and then I met my (laughs) husband, um, and he had just qualified for the Boston marathon. You can share so how you met him. How did you, yes. him? you should share that. <laughs> so at the time I was a, a news reporter and anchor. And unfortunately it was a year after the Boston Marathon bombing. And I was doing a story about local runners. At that time I had moved from Biloxi, Mississippi to Charleston. And I'd only been there a couple of months. Um, and I was doing a story with local runners who qualified the, for Boston um, that were going the year after the Boston Marathon bombing. So he was one of about six runners that I interviewed really early one morning, <laughs> um, which actually fell on the one year anniversary of the bombing. But then you know how Boston is. It's always on that Monday, uh, Patriots Day. So they had not run the Boston Marathon yet. They were going to do it in a couple days. So I interviewed him that morning. Um, I think the next morning he left for Boston and we just kind of kept in touch. And I, I tracked his time and was so impressed. <laughs> he ran a 3.05 and I had thought, wow, he must be pretty close to Olympic times. <laughs> I was more, very wrong. Um, but anyways, long story short, he, he suckered me in to run my first marathon in 2015. So that was about five years ago. That's awesome. And you were, you were going to run a marathon back in um, Biloxi at one point, right? Weren't you going to do like, was it Houston too? Or Yeah, I think I, I had a, a desire to run a marathon yeah. a couple of times <laughs> in my early twenties. 
Um, but I, I didn't understand the training and yeah, I think there was, you know, a million excuses in my head. Um, so I never did get to run a marathon until I got to Charleston and, and yeah. really delved into what running was all about. Yeah. And I mean, you had a hard work, I feel like a hard work. So obviously you can always say like, you can have a million excuses though too, but you did, she had a hard work schedule in Mississippi. She's yeah. Her hours were weird. So, but so you moved to Charleston and then, um, so did you get into more serious once you and Matt were together? Like when, where was that switch? Yeah. You know, he was pretty intimidating. So, um, it was kind of weird inspired me yet I didn't really want to run with him yeah. I mean he would have run slower with me but um and we would go for some runs but I would always try to encourage him to go ahead because I was almost embarrassed <laughs> but um he really was such an inspiration for me so I I started to buckle down and, and like you just said I, I kind of had a, a weird work schedule just being in news in general I worked a lot of mornings and a lot of weekends and so it was kind of hard to find a training group that I could train train with on a regular basis yeah um thankfully I was able to connect with some some friends and of course you know how running friends are they're often friends for life yeah <laughs> um so I was able to connect with them and, and train for my first marathon um again that was in 2015 and I mean the training was okay it was a pretty simple plan and uh I went out and I ran the Charleston Marathon, which is in January. The conditions were, it was a little warm, um, but I went out and I completely bonked oh. at about mile 18. And I was shooting for around a four hour marathon. I think I got a 448. Okay. So, which is crazy if you listen to the whole story. So, <laughs> so I crossed the finish line and uh, wasn't feeling too great. I think I walked it in and said never again and, <laughs> and Matt and I were still dating at the time and you know he was impressed he was happy that I finished and supportive uh, he did not run that at that time um at that race so I think one of the things that helped me fall in love with running too and helped me reach my goals was I, I stayed patient yeah and I, I try to remind myself of that now um so it took me a, almost another year before I ran another marathon. And okay. I thought, you know, over the course of that time, I thought I'll give it one more try. You know, the first marathon didn't go as planned. I'll give yeah. it one more try. And the training for this marathon was kind of an epiphany for me for so many reasons, but it was the Myrtle Beach Marathon, which is in South Carolina. It's about two hours north of here. And about a month before the race well let me back up I'm, I'm a pretty driven person and i was going for workouts and doing the best i could and yeah. pretty much meeting the goals that i had and meeting the mileage but i didn't feel like i was improving that much and i remember going for some long runs like 19 miles and nobody feels good after a long run right so i remember just laying on the ground and thinking you know and getting positive splits and not really grasping why I didn't feel like it was working. Um, I didn't feel like I was improving that much and I was so driven and I was, I was frustrated. So about a month before the marathon, I went to the doctor and I think it was just a checkup, you know, in our early twenties, developing the need for, you know, having a regular doctor and things that I was realizing as I was becoming an adult. Um, so it was just a checkup, uh, yeah. to get a primary care physician. And he took my blood and he called me back the next day and he said, you have low iron you are significantly okay. low on iron yep. so i was anemic and i went and got a blood transfusion that same day he put me on iron pills um and i don't i think it was like a week later i went out and ran <laughs> and i felt so much better yeah i mean it was amazing <laughs> and, and I, so i don't know how long this had been going on right um but i imagine a, a significant amount of time so I went and ran the marathon about a month later and I, again, was shooting for about a four hour and I ran a 345. Nice. So I like ran a hour PR. <laughs> yeah. To this day, that's actually one of my favorite marathons just because I ran it smart. I yeah. trained hard. Um, and then I raced comfortably and I, I think that I, it was just a really good feeling, which you often don't get that for a marathon, especially the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Um, is that so? Anyways, I remember crossing, is that, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Is this like 2016? Was like 2015 your first one, and then this is like 2016, right? Right. Yeah. So okay. I um 
crossed the finish line and I think it was probably five minutes after I was done, I realized that's 10 minutes short of a BQ. <laughs> so needless to say, I wasn't done with marathoning yeah. quite yet. And I was, I was hungry, but again, patient. So I actually waited a whole nother year to do uh-huh. a full marathon and did Myrtle Beach again. Okay. Went out and got a 327. That's awesome. <laughs> so I shaved about 20 minutes off from my second marathon, which at that time was about an eight minute buffer for my BQ, Yeah, um, which is a pretty safe bet that you can get in. And I mean, I didn't even run it as smart as I could have, but I did what I needed to do. Yeah. And it was a really exciting, exciting time for me. In fact, my husband and I, yeah, we got married I was going to say, yeah, that would have been been the year you got married. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there was a time where people were congratulating me after, um, after the race and it was people that I hadn't seen in a while. And they were actually congratulating me for getting married to Matt. And and I thought it was about qualifying for Boston. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) You're like, Oh, Uh, I'm just running on the mind. Sorry guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was a very exciting time in my life. Um, so I was 27 (laughs) at the time. It was 2017. So Boston was about a year later and the year that Matt ran Boston, it was a warm year, but all of the pictures and everything you hear about Boston, the Boston marathon and the ideal experience that a lot of people have (laughs) was certainly that way for him. And so I envisioned this beautiful sunny day. And (laughs) in fact, when I read like reviews, things not to do, the number one thing was you definitely want to have sunscreen. So I packed a lot of sunscreen when I went to Boston and Boston in April is a toss up about what kind of weather you're going to get. And, um, uh, so you, you never want to look at the weather too far before a marathon. Cause then you'll just psych yourself out and you'll go crazy because weather's always going to change. So if you're looking at it 10 days before the marathon, um, it's certainly not going to be what it's forecasted to be 10 days before it's going to change. It's yeah. going to show that there's going to be rain one day. It just, you're just going to make, drive yourself crazy looking. So I tried not to look, but I think about, five days out, I started to look and (laughs) it looked bad. And every day closer to the marathon looked even worse. Especially coming from South Carolina. I'll remember she's born and raised. I mean, left from Mississippi. Right. Been in the North a little bit, but. Boston could be really cold. And even though I'm from South Carolina, I do appreciate running and racing in colder conditions. Yeah. Right. Windy rain. Yeah. So the night before the Boston Marathon in 2018. So my husband didn't run it that year. He hasn't run it since 2014, okay. um, which was the year that I met him. So we went to Boston. He was a great support for me. And the night before we realized that conditions were um, less than ideal. It was sleeting rain. I think it was 40 degrees, just crazy wind certainly not the Boston marathon that I had envisioned for so many years. Right. Nor was it anybody's ideal (laughs) day. Not if anyone says otherwise, I'd like to meet that person, but we wake up, you know, and I think because it was my first Boston, I didn't have any sort of thoughts that I wasn't going to do it. I was just going to persevere and, and do what I came there to do. And I, I did, I, I had a really good experience considering everything, but yeah. Um, I remember we, you take a shuttle to Athletes Village and I remember getting off the bus. Or well, first of all, I tried to stay in my seat as long as possible, but then you have to get off the bus, bus into a big field where they have tents and things before the athletes go and start according to their wave. And, um, you know, I didn't have a crazy fast time, so I wasn't seated super um, high. I wasn't going off right at 10 o'clock. So I had some time in Athletes Village to freeze my butt off. <laughs> and I even remember staying in the porter potty uh, for as long as I could because it was warm. And I think every athlete there did that. So it was it was really, really crazy. The tents were, some of them were coming off the hinge. There was just so much wind. And it was the coldest I think I've ever been. It was just so cold. And you couldn't, the whole field was mud. So you couldn't warm up like anywhere to, to get warm. But I, I, you know, you always find silver lining in situations like that. And I, I met someone who was actually starting in my wave and we ended up running together her name was Reagan okay. and she was from uh Massachusetts area so 
um, we ended up running together for, I think about seven miles, but, um, I had a trash bag over me. I mean, yeah, a lot of people look like they were homeless out there. And, um, so I ran it and I didn't know what to expect. I just, I heard all the things that you hear about the Boston marathon with heartbreak Hill and the first seven miles being a slight decline. So you don't want to go out too fast. And I, I ran a really smart race, I think for the shape that I was in at the time. Yeah. I, I finished in 319. So cutting off some more time and on a hard course, right? I mean, yeah, I would guess comparatively to the other ones. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that. I think too, you learn like as you grow as a runner that some conditions you thrive in and then others you don't. And I have no doubt that if that were, even though I'm from South Carolina, if, you know, if that were like maybe a 75 degree day, right. I, I probably would not have done as well, but I, I did what I had to do. And again, I think because it was my first Boston, I didn't have any doubts in my mind. Like I wasn't even the thought of giving up never even crossed my mind. Yeah. So, and then of course that was a year that Des Linden won the um, American female and even her time, I think she got like a 239. And a lot of times the, the females in that course are in, you know, the two twenties. Yeah. So, so like you could just, yeah, a slower year. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Have, have you run Boston? No, I haven't. No, have not run Boston. You've qualified though, right? I qualified. Yeah. But didn't run. I qualified and technically, um, but didn't get to go. Like I was a minute and five seconds under it. Um, so my goal was, um, and I should tell this story sometimes, but I'm just, I was like, I think I could qualify off this fitness. I mean, let's just see if I can. And then I'll actually train. Cause I didn't technically, I didn't train at all for that marathon. I just was like, ah, I think I might be able to get it and like hit it, just hit it. I didn't have a watch either. Like I literally did. Cause I lost my watch. Like the night, I don't even know what happened, but, uh, but yeah, didn't, um, get to go, which was okay, but I do need to get back there. I haven't ran a mar- marathon since I've ran one and haven't trained for any. So oh, hey, that's okay. But, but with my goals right now too, it, I don't know, like doesn't really align with doing track racing to marathon. Probably will wait a little bit to do that, but yeah, might just go out and do it, <laughs> but yeah, still need to do that. But yeah. So you had, would you say like what year here, maybe this is we're getting into it was like really where you had a transition year. I mean, all these years I think were transition, but I mean, you had said you had that, you know, kind of light bulb moment. What was back from like 2015 to 16 of like what running and getting better really took. Was there any other time along this way? Or are we getting into there where you're just like hit a different level and under, you know, of training and understanding of running and everything? Yeah, I think um, after I qualified for Boston, I really buckled down and started to study running. And I read yeah. a lot of books, Matt Fitzgerald, the 80-20 book. Yes. I don't know if you've heard of that. So yep. the, the theory there is about 80% of your weekly runs need to be at like an aerobic base. And then 20% yeah. is what you um, save for your harder efforts. Um, and I think a common mistake that runners make is that they go too hard too often. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes it's been really encouraging for me and helped me buckle down to see some really incredible local runners on Strava and okay. see that their, you know, recovery runs are, are pretty, pretty slow for yeah. what they, their, you know, race pace is and realizing if they can go to that speed, you know, if they can go two minutes slower than their half marathon pace or, or whatever it is, yeah. then certainly I can too. And that has also helped me stay injury free or yeah. some more. Yeah. Injury-free. It's, it's hard to um, stay fully, but more. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And especially, um, in your warmer areas and Charleston, South Carolina is certainly one of those. (laughs) If you go too hard too often, then it's going to suck the wind out of you. And in the summertime, I mean, you're just going to be running on nothing. So having those really longer, slower runs, especially in the heat and humidity pays huge dividends. I think that's when I really started to focus on a structured plan that okay. not, I developed that plan for myself. And from there, you know, and, and looking at my weekly mileage and, and modifying things as I needed to. And so that was a huge epiphany for me 
to have that structure. I also really yeah. focused on my diet and I, and I was just really, really strict and intense. Yeah. I was going to bed super early, waking up really <laughs> early. My friends and my husband might say I was not too much fun during that time, but <laughs> you know, looking back on it, it was, it was a lot of fun for me to get that serious and that focused and, yeah. and you know, reap the benefits of it too. Yeah. So, cause I had, I had stayed at your place. Was it, it was like a week, the weekend before, like 10 days before Boston. Do you remember that? Cause we were like going yeah, over the game plan right. for Boston. We took that picture. Um, I remember, but yeah. So I remember, and I remember you telling me then, like, I was like, yeah, what's changed? You know, obviously since you've gotten more serious and I do remember you being like, I'm like strict on my diet, your wake up times, all that stuff. It sounds like, is it the same now? Or, I mean, obviously it's a little different now with not as many races, but has that changed? Is it a little more loose now or? Yeah, certainly it has, you know, for some people it's sustainable to be that strict all the time. Yeah. For me, I really kind of have to have a goal in sight. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's different, but right now I, I don't have a, a big goal looming. Uh, so I always feel like about 12 weeks before a marathon. Um, and I say marathon because that's my favorite distance. So, yeah, but for others, it might be, you know, other big race goals, mm -hmm. uh, but about 12 weeks, I, I really get structured and serious and dedicated. And, and that to me is what, I, what needs to happen in order for me to really, I guess, get into, to Hannah mode. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah beast yeah. mode. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I ran Boston and then this is when. I think I got a little overzealous and I talked earlier about, you know, being patient. I feel like that was one of the reasons that I was able to grow substantially as a runner yeah. and, and shave off a significant amount of time. But after Boston, I got really, really, really hungry. <laughs> and um, so I'd signed up for the Chicago marathon, which was in October of 2018. And then three months after that, it was a Houston marathon. So I was, I did three marathons in about nine months, which okay. is a lot. Yeah. And not only that, but I was increasing my mileage significantly. Yeah. So I, I, around the Boston marathon, I think I got up to running about 70 miles a week. Okay. Um, yeah. I remember. You. And then before Chicago, I got up to running 80 miles a week and then with Chicago's in October. And then before Houston, I got up to running 90 miles a week. So it was a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, it worked for me, but at the time in hindsight, maybe not, but we could have separated that a little more than right. maybe it would have worked better, but I still had successful races, Right. but you know, I think I wore my body down a lot. Yeah. Well, cause you're probably getting faster, like, you know, right to a degree, like you were probably and you're putting more mileage in, but until your body broke down, you know, so it was kind of probably, you know, it's good to see those results. So, I mean, it'd be kind of a reinforcement probably. And then, but, but then, yeah, you're recovering from the marathons, but it's, you did it and now, you know, so I feel like, right. I, I also feel like it helps in the future. I mean, I have a pretty injury prone history and I feel like it's better going forward. Cause I'm like, nope. I know like, I don't want to be injured again. So it's not worth it, but yeah. Right. And I, so do, I do wonder if, if I would have regretted it, if I had not done it. So right. I was, I was so focused during that time that I, I don't really regret it. You're right. I've learned my lessons, but if, and if now you can coach not, others, right. When you tell others now, I would think that right. would play yeah, a role in health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I went to Chicago, October of 2018 and it was warm for that race, but conditions were ultimately pretty good. So you train through the summer in Charleston to race in October. So you think it's, it's going to be like a breath of fresh air going <laughs> racing in Chicago in October. It was still about 65 degrees. Um, yeah. but of course my race before that was the Boston marathon, which was just, you know, horrible conditions. So you're kind of always counting your blessings after you run a race like that. <laughs> like anything um, will be better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I tell my that, myself that all the time. Um, on my trains. So I went and ran Chicago. My husband ran that one too. And he had a higher time, a faster time. So he was two waves ahead of me. He started before I started. And so this was a kind of a neat story, but um, I went out too fast. So again, that, that <laughs> hunger, um, I was developing some impatience and I, I mean, I think I 
kicked off, you know, maybe I think it was about a six, 10 mile around mile 13. So I was making some big mistakes um, and really starting to pay for it around mile 20. But I sucked it up. My husband will often say that I am really, really tough when I want to be, but when I don't want to be, I'm not tough at all. And, and I think that he, that especially applies to the marathon because I feel like I, especially on this race, I, I sucked it up a lot. I was throwing up on myself. Um, yeah, it was, it was not a fun experience. I remember I read your blog. I think, I think you, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I could go into more detail, but, (laughs) but I, uh, I was really suffering around mile 20, um, pushing through and, you know, the, the interesting thing, and I think a lot of runners experience this, especially on the marathon, when you're really starting to suffer, you think that your pace is slowing down so much. Um, you know, you want to stop, you want to walk, but I wasn't, I wasn't going to stop. I wasn't going to walk. So I felt like I was going like 10 minute miles, but I would look at my watch and I was holding, you know, a 715. And then the next mile, I was like, certainly this is a 12 minute mile. And I'd look at my watch at <laughs> a 730. So I was getting slower, yeah. from, you know, that 610 that I blew out right. early in the race, <laughs> but I was still holding a good time. So at that time I was like, just hold on, hold on. And at mile 25, I hear someone calling my name (laughs) and we're in Chicago. We don't really know many people. (laughs) And I look and my husband's there. So (laughs) he was hurting more than I was because he has, I had obviously, you know, gone off about five minutes before me. And so I think he really sucked it up for me because he realized I was going to get a pretty big PR and he was hurting. He later ended up having surgery on his hip because of, some um, injury that had progressed over time. So he was feeling that a lot. But anyway, so he pushed it in with me and that we ran that last mile. And we always look back on it because we're crossing the finish line together. Yeah. But we didn't want, we didn't even think to do anything like hold hands or <laughs> high five or anything. We're both looking like we're about to like projectile. <laughs> and, and actually, I think we were stopping our watch. You know, <laughs> you have a tendency to do that. So yes. I crossed the finish line at 311. So I still shaved off, you know, from the 319 that I had at the Boston Marathon. Um, Yeah. So yeah, and he ended up with a 315. So he had a good time, certainly not slow, but just not his best. So we were, we were pretty excited, but um, also sore and (laughs) tired and frustrated that we didn't run the smartest pace. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was really a fun marathon to look back on and, and know that we were able to run that last mile together. Right. That part's and, really cool. <laughs> and then I also, you know, it, it was funny because at, at our wedding, his dad joked about, you know, at that time I had just qualified for the Boston marathon and his dad joked about how I was going to pass him one day and I was going to beat him in a race. And <laughs> neither of us ever thought that would ever happen just because <laughs> Matt's run a sub three hour marathon at yeah. that time. I had a huge PR and I only ran a 327. So we, we laughed and we never thought that would happen. And, um, and then I ended up beating him for that race. So <laughs> he was like, my dad's, you know, was foreshadowing at the wedding. <laughs> it was true. And yeah. So, but to this day, he still has a faster marathon than me. So he is faster. He will be a better runner. And, and he does remind me of that sometimes when, when people give him a hard time. <laughs> people comment on it. Hey, don't yeah. forget. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think I got home, got back to Charleston and took maybe a week or two to recover and started back stronger than ever. And, <laughs> you know, you always have aches and pains, but you kind of tend to ignore them or a lot of people. Yeah. And it's hard because you don't know what, what is, you know, an ache and a pain and what's a true injury. Right. So I ended up running Houston a couple months later. And my goal was really to get a sub three. Um, but again, I wasn't as patient as, as I, I should have been. And yeah, um, I went out a little too fast and the conditions were perfect at Houston. So that was in 2019 and it was just actually the last marathon that I've run, um, unfortunately. And I got a 306. So awesome. (laughs) And suffered a lot at the end of that one, but um, not as much as Chicago. And I was still really pleased and, you know, five minute PR. Yeah. um, When you're getting down to those times, like that's, I mean, yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Um, it was very, very rewarding. Uh, and, and I, you know, you hold on 
or think that a race that you do is going to be the last one or you just never know. So I, I look back on that and I, I am really pleased with that and, um, and happy that I've been able to get progressively faster. And I'm sure that will come to an end at some point, but um, yeah, we'll you see that time. Yeah. So, and then you were going to do, um, Boston and I know, cause that's where your so your injury fell in somewhere between that, right. Then was it after Houston between, yeah. Houston so and right Boston? after Houston, I started and I was getting a lot of foot pain and, um, ended up getting in a boot and they said it, it wasn't a full stress fracture, but it was um, stress reaction maybe. Yeah. Stress, pretty significant bone bruise. And I mean, it was throbbing a lot all the time yeah. and bone injuries are pretty cut and dry. You know, you, yeah. you got to take time off and yeah. give it time to heal. So I realized like I, I was in a boot and I, I took time off. I swam. I got a little lazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, okay. I feel like it's like, uh, your passion's gone. What you love the most, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of endurance athletes tend to be all or nothing. And it was especially hard at that time um, because I, I didn't have the cushion of really much cross training in my system. Yeah. And that's something that I've really tried to incorporate now, even if it's just like once a week. So, so anyways, after that, and then there's just been a series of things that have happened since then I signed up for the California international marathon, uh, to do in December of last. Yeah. So not too long ago, less than a year ago. Yeah. And I, I, my training went so well. I, I was up to about 80, 90 miles a week. And after your injury, after coming back and everything, mm -hmm. right? Right, exactly. And um, really hitting the workouts. I had a great training partner that I was meeting five times a week and we were crushing runs at 5 a.m. And <laughs> um, I went out about a week and a half before the marathon. I got so sick. I mean, probably the sickest I've ever been in my adult life. Yeah. And I, you know, and it's one of those things because you want to fight it. You do. Um, right. And I, I went to the doctor. I had, a, it was over Thanksgiving. I had 102 fever and <laughs> just was out for the count. And I even remember waking up because we were going to do a turkey trot that morning. And I, I woke up and I was like shaking. And my husband was like, no, <laughs> no. And no I said, way. well, let me go run the race. <laughs> then you can take me to the doctor. <laughs> and, and then he was like, okay. And I told him, I said, I'm doing it. Like I'm going to run this race. <laughs> and then I went and laid down and woke up a couple hours later. <laughs> and <laughs> so I, and I'm, I'm really glad because I probably would have run and like a little 5k for, for what reason and, and been really, really bad off. So I yeah. ended up to the doctor and, you know, got antibiotics and steroids and, um, starting to feel better, but you probably know this more than me. It's never a good idea to race when you're on antibiotics, especially. Yeah. I mean, it's a marathon, like exactly. Yeah. Or steroids. And I mean, you just want to be natural. You want to be in your natural state. And also like, I mean, I'm not an elite runner, but elite runners are, can't legally have that in their system. So, okay. um, especially steroids. So anyways, I, um, I took a step back and I, there were, I had a lot of friends that were doing the race okay. and I had this couple of great athletes that were running it. And so I was basically off antibiotics by the time, because we'd already planned to go to California. So we went to California, I ended up pacing one of my friends and she, she had a great race and she got a PR, um, but I dropped out intentionally at mile 19. Okay. So I, I mean, and I just incorporated that into a long run. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and thought I would get right back on my training and jump into a marathon, but that, that didn't happen. So for a series, a number of reasons, but I, it just didn't work out and it wasn't in the cards. So then yeah. now there hasn't yeah. been races really for a while. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So the funny thing is, is, you know, you, you get it in your mind and you're so set on a certain distance or a certain race and, yeah, um, you know, you, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Well, <laughs> I, I feel like that's kind of what happened to me over the last and probably happened to a lot of people through this right. um, the last like year and a half. I, uh, had all these visions, these plans, structure, did everything right, but it just didn't work out. Right. And um, there was a half marathon at the very end of February. It was the day of the Olympic trials. Okay. Um, and it was in Greenville. And my family lives in Greenville, South Carolina. And I think about a week before it, I signed up. <laughs> 
I heard it was, it's a fast course and I'd heard that it was a fast course. So I signed up. Yeah. Which one is it? Is it? Uh, it's it's it was previously no, was, called the like swamp rabbit oh it's, okay but i think it's like prisma health something like that now um, okay but yeah it's and it was a good training course at the time i thought for for the boston marathon because i had yeah. qualified to run boston in 2020 which again didn't happen but <laughs> it was a good training course because it's the net downhill for like the first i don't know well it goes uphill for like almost two miles and then it's like downhill until about mile 10 or so and then it kind of flattens out and so it's good to really develop that for your quads and and your legs and um anyways i went to greenville and to see my family and and i was just going to jump in the race and then the night before i just was like i don't want to do this i did not want to <laughs> do the half marathon and I remember talking to Matt and texting one of my good friends, Laura, and, you know, they basically were like, just do the half marathon. Yeah. And so what if you don't do well? Like, so what? Yeah. And that's another thing too, is you, you start to do well. And so you want to do your best at every race. And you're like, I can't do a race unless I'm going to do my best or yeah. Yeah. I'm going to place or whatever. And, and that's, it's silly to think that because you run because you love to run and right. And so I was staying with my little sister and I, we'd already planned for her to bring me to the starting line because um, it's point to point. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to do it. And I am so thankful that I did it. I, yeah. I went and blew a huge PR for a half marathon and got a 125. <laughs> so, you know, it's again, one of those lessons learned that life isn't according to Hannah's plans. It's not important. Right. It's you know, and I was well-trained and I was, I was healthy. I wasn't sick. So yeah. it was really fun. And so that's the last race I've done. Right. Well, and you it, now, like, hadn't you done it? You've probably been like, why did I just do it? It was like my last chance to race because you didn't know it was going to be your last chance to race like for a long time. Exactly. Um, but like, that's like, and that's awesome to just like get a huge PR. Going back to when you were injured, if you don't mind sharing, like what were the biggest things you learned, you know, took away from going through an injury like that? Because I know a lot of runners go through that. So, and it can be a frustrating spot, especially when it's, I mean, because that was your first, you know, bone stress injury or any bone injury, right? Um, what was like, you know, the biggest thing you learned and have can apply or will apply going forward to yourself and or your athlete? Well, I think if, if you're a runner, if you're an endurance athlete, it's almost a guarantee that you're going to have some sort of injury. And if you don't, then that's amazing. Good for you. Then but you're, yeah. <laughs> you're going to have some sort of injury along the way. Elite athletes have it. Right. I mean, they all do. And the, if they're able to take a step back and take some time off, then you should be too. And I think a common mistake some of us serious runners, but not like professional runners make yeah. is that we don't want to take time off right and through that bone that foot stuff that was really hard for me mentally emotionally it sounds silly and melodramatic but no as i think that's common that is for all runners <laughs> yeah and um so i had to take some time off and i gained some weight i i drank and ate too much and <laughs> it wasn't wasn't the best version of myself and then i wasn't as happy as i i wanted to be so I learned a lot of lessons through that and, and I've had injuries since then. Most recently I've, I've had a hamstring injury that's, it's not as serious. And I've, I've been running a little bit, but just decreasing my mileage, not doing speed work and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, went to a therapist and it's been incredibly good for me this go round because I've, I've learned to cross train more and keep some structure in my life and not just stop everything altogether, which is what I did with that. With okay. that yeah. So I think, I think being patient, but also recognizing who you are and trying to find an avenue to, to stay healthy yeah. um, while you recover. So for me, it was like, if I can't run, then I can't be myself. And yeah, that was not the right mindset. So I think I learned, you know, in a tough way through that time that I needed to stay patient and get back into running slowly, um, let my injury heal, um, but then also trying to find another avenue for, for being active. And, yeah. and that's something that I've learned too, an active me is, is a healthy me. Healthy, yeah. Was and, swimming um, it for you then? Was it swimming or what would you say was the route? Yeah, or I guess so you this, didn't necessarily find it that time or? 
Right. Yeah. And I was, I was doing some stuff. Like I was getting in the pool. I was doing right. some stuff, but it was just pale to comparison to the amount that I used to do. So yeah, this go round, I hurt my hamstring back in May. And, um, like I said, I've been running a little bit, but I, um, I've been getting in the pool twice a week at least. And then I've also, so about two years ago, I started, um, I got certified to become a running coach and, um, my USATF certification. And I joined on with Without Limits at that time under a great local coach here, Chris Bailey. So I, I coach once a week. And then a couple months ago, I started this boot camp program. So it's calisthenic exercises. It's like a boot camp style and it's 30 minutes. And it's been such a wonderful thing for me to yeah. do. And I, I try to practice out, practice my workouts prior to, to doing them. And I'm actually doing the boot camps twice a week and on Mondays and Fridays and then coaching running on Thursdays. So okay. it makes for a, a busy week and it's not yeah. going to continue because it's going to get cold soon. So the calisthenic stuff has been really, really great. And it's not as intimidating to someone that's a, not a runner because okay. it doesn't consist of any running, but it's also great for runners to supplement their training, you know, build that strength. It helps you stay injury free. Right. So and it's pretty simple movements, but things that I think that we often skip as endurance athletes, right. um, and it doesn't take a lot of time to see a lot of benefit. Yeah. So yeah. it's been, it's been really, really great for me. So I've been swimming, biking, doing the boot camp stuff, running a little bit. And yeah. then yesterday I went out and really got far out of my comfort zone and did a 2.4 mile swim um, <laughs> yep. in Charleston, which, awesome. you know, it was such a blessing that they had the event because there's so few endurance events right now. Right. Um, and so I, I got in the water and my friend who I've been swimming with, we, we ventured out and we did the swim and awesome. we weren't the fastest. We weren't even close to the fastest, but we had a great time and she's That's a runner too. So it was kind of out of her comfort zone. Yeah. You're both like not, not in your, your natural zones, but but so the difference this time is more like, well, this time it's not been as severe. Obviously you can still run some like you shared, just not the speed workouts and stuff and maybe not as long, but more so like just finding a schedule of other things you can do, which is sounds like active, but also being engaged in the community and like giving back on that side. Is that part of it too, would you say, or just being involved with like, say the run coaching side of it too and boot camp or. Yeah. You know, I think through all of this, but especially about two months ago, God put it on my heart, like that this time is hard for a lot of people, but I think it's caused so many Americans to be sedentary. Yeah. And I have no doubt that it's going to increase our obesity rates astronomically. And yeah. I think, you know, people are using this time to stay inside and not move. And so I, I wanted to do something to, not intimidate, but invite people to, to be active. And so yeah. this, this boot camp workout is very affordable. It's $8 per workout. And yeah. we do it outside socially distanced. People yep. wear a mask when they come, when they work out, they don't have to wear a mask, but we're, we're trying to do everything we can to make, make it safe, yeah. inviting, um, and, and just kind of appeal to the masses. And it's, it's been very successful. And unfortunately, like I said, I'm not going to be able to continue it through the winter. I don't think we'll be able to keep, keep up. Too them. cold, even in Charleston. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's early in the morning too. Oh, true. Yeah. So, so you know, it's one thing yeah. when you go out and you run in 40 degrees, right. <laughs> but when you're just doing planks and push ups and stuff, yeah, it's, it's really tough. No, that would get to so, me. <laughs> but it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's really been awesome. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, all this COVID stuff will be over soon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we'll wrap this up uh, soon, but I'd love to ask you before we go to, um, what, so what's next, what's next for you? I mean, obviously we know we don't have like set goals and stuff, but you, do you still have goals to say, break that three hour mark? Where are you at with, with goals wise? You share whatever you want to share. If you don't yeah, want to share, if you like I, to keep I, things. I think I'll have to go back to, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. I, <laughs> I really want to break that three hour marathon. I don't know if it's going to happen in the next year or if it's going to happen in five years. I, it is going to happen at some point. Yes. <laughs> 
you are recording this, so you'll have to play it back to me someday. Yeah. So but, yes, you said it. <laughs> I, I, I'm still de dealing with a hamstring injury. And if anyone's ever had a hamstring injury, it, it is taking its time. It does not <laughs> want to heal very fast. So I'm dedicated to having a full functioning hamstring um, yep. before I get back into it and, and really feel healthy. I, I envy the days that I could just go out and run, especially as fall is setting in and go out and run for, you know, you miss all the simple things right? when, when you're injured. And I miss those long runs that were slow and just in, in the fall in Charleston. So yeah, I want to, I want to get back and I want to get back with my running group, you know, yeah because of COVID we're, we're not fully functioning running group. We'll meet people here and there. Um, so that's, that's my goal is to, to get healthy and get back out with my group. Um, a three hour marathon, sub three hour marathon is on the horizon, but we will see. And I, I want to run Boston again. So that definitely is, is the goal. It was canceled this year, yeah. but hopefully they'll accept qualification. And I have a pretty good buffer about 24 minutes. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that it will happen next year. I'd love to run it again. Yeah. Conditions. Yeah. I think sometimes it goes best when you like have that break, you know, um, too, like, even though this isn't even a full break, but you're taking some easier time, like it can be a good mental deload, you know, to sure. get back after, after, you know, some serious goals too. So awesome. Well, I think, I mean, I know we covered a, a lot, um, but I like to ask all my, um, interviewees that I bring on at the end, which you might've already said, but what would you say is your breaking five moment in your running career? And that can be, and maybe you think it's going to be this three hour marathon coming, but what is your, 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 you know, wildest and craziest dream that you either have accomplished or is it still this three hour that's out there? What would it be for you? Yeah, I think it's a sub three hour, that yeah. three hour. And I didn't. I don't think I recognized my potential until I ran the Boston marathon. So, you know, you run these races and people will tell you, Oh, running a hilly course is the equivalent of, you know, this time. Well, when I finished Boston in 319, a lot of people told me that those conditions, that course, everything considered was the equivalent of running about a three hour marathon. Okay. And I'm okay. hearing those words were yeah. like, Ooh, I want like, that. All right. like, how can I get that? Um, and I was getting closer, you know, I was, I was crawling toward that three hour, um, pretty close with a 306. So it's there, it's calling my name, but yeah, it, it's definitely a goal. And I feel like it's an attainable one for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, you know, you got to get healthy. And again, I, I staying patient, which is so difficult. And <laughs> And especially now, I mean, now is the time you can be injured and you can take a step right, back. Right, right, right. Um, and, and you're not, but it's still, still not easy. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully it'll all be over soon and we'll look back on this. I know. And, oh my, oh my gosh. You know, in some ways you, you really kind of fall more in love with running for other reasons. You right. know, whereas previously I'm a pretty competitive person and I really loved racing. Yeah. Um, I just, I did. I love racing. But like I said, now I'm really missing those, those long, enjoyable runs with my, with my friends. And right. um, I'm not missing racing as much, which is something I never thought I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, falling in love for, for different reasons. And right. And not, yeah, I don't, I haven't personally, honestly missed racing that much, which I figured for me, I'm, I don't know. I just enjoy more of the process. And, and for me right now, it's more like group runs and stuff like that. Of course, I'm just coming off an injury, but, um, I miss coaching though. I had an athlete do a virtual run this past weekend. That was super exciting. I was like, man, I do miss like having athletes, you know, text you on the weekends and stuff. So, but yeah, but and I know that's you got a part too. Yeah. Cause athletes are they don't have the motivation to train. And so it's, it's, you know, some people have the mindset that they don't feel like they need to be coached because they don't have a goal in mind, but right. that structure is beneficial, whether you have a goal or not. Right. No, exactly. No, I love it. Um, and yeah, we'll go ahead. Do you, you need, we need to wrap this up, right? We'll go ahead. Yeah, and about my bedtime. It's about oh, <laughs> better, better bedtime back there. She's a early bird now. Um, but I just wanted to say, well, first off, thank you for coming on. Well, 
it was a, I really enjoyed getting to listen to your host story. That was, um, that was, that was fun for me. Cause I, it's like, I know parts of it, but to put it all together. And I just think, especially to hear the injury part of it, um, is helpful for other listeners that have, you know, have, or will face an injury, but also anyone that's ever, I mean, if you didn't realize she started off at what was it? 448 or 445, whatever it was, you know, all the way down to 306. And I mean, yeah, like when we ran together, that's probably where you were. Had you done a marathon too, right? Like we would run like nine minute pace or whatever, you know, easy runs and, you know, just to go from kind of like casual running and then be like, I'm going to be serious and I want to meet this goal. And, you know, anyone can do or have whatever they want. Like it's just kind of to discipline habits all of the above mindset so um absolutely for anyone listening if you would like to find hannah where would be the best place for them to follow you at would be your- so um my recommendation would be go to iamwithoutlimits.com okay. so that is the without limits is the major organization um there are local chapters if you will so i'm without limits charleston um, so they have a lot of different locations listed on the website. You click on Charleston and, and then you'll see me and then who I coach with Chris Bailey. So we, we work together Perfect. we've got an awesome team down here, but, um, anyways, yeah, I, I do love coaching and I've gotten a couple certifications under my belt too. And I feel like with anything, you always have things to learn and yeah. I, I look forward to continuing to learn it. I've learned a lot through this COVID stuff. That's, so. that's good. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Um, and anything else you want put out there, we got your, yeah, the page where to find you, especially if anyone local to Charleston is listening. Um, anything else or is that, that about it? That'd be the best. No, well, hopefully I'll see you at a race sometime. Yes. Yes. In the distant future. Yeah. That would be so much fun. And, uh, the last time we, we raced together, I was going through vertigo, so I didn't even race, but it was still fun. Did the bridge yeah. run. That was fun. Yeah. The, the Cooper river bridge run is a great, great 10 K. I'm going to come back and do that sometime and actually race it, not just Mm -hmm. stop and take pictures. (laughs) Yeah, well, for that too. So you have a good experience still. Yes, yes. Yeah, you'll have to race it for sure. No, it was awesome. Any final parting thoughts that or comments that you have? No, you know, it's good talking to you, Kristen. Yes. No, it's been awesome. All right. Thanks so much for being on. That was another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast, and we will catch you guys on the next one. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. We hope you are running away with some inspiration, tips, and actionable items that you can put towards your Breaking Five moment. Lastly, if you know anyone else with a Breaking Five moment, that doesn't have to actually mean literally Breaking Five, just a Breaking Five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their Breaking Five moment, I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram, and that is at Kristen underscore run your life. Again, that's at Kristen underscore run your life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. And make sure if you have not already to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you, everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then, go run your life.